Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. So great to be here, really to be back again. I just looked it up, you know, it's, we're trying to remember the first time we came, and I actually have notes and everything, so it is uh, uh, 2013. It was February the 7th. Uh, we got here on, I think, the 6th, because the 7th was the snowstorm. Anybody remember the snowstorm? Where the roads were closed. Um, that was and, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we were flying here, so we flew to Toronto, and then we were to catch a flight down here. And we get to Toronto, and our phones light up, and all of our kids are trying to get a hold of us. Uh, turn around. <laughs> come back home again. Nobody's, they're going to close the airports and big snowstorm and everything else. And um, so I said to Helen, no, 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 it's really not up to us. It's, it's up to the pastors that we've come to serve. So I called Pastor Derek, and he said, no, come. He said, even if it's just for Stacy and I, come. <laughs> and really, it was one of the most remarkable times we've ever had. We, we actually talk about it all the time. But it wasn't just because of the snowstorm. It was because of your pastors. And uh, you got really great pastors. I do believe what he said, that you need to be under authority, but m more so that you don't do ministry alone. And you have, you know, you have peer pressure ministry that you do, like, you know, your, your peers. But you also have people that have been there before you and can help you. And um, especially when it comes to marriage and family and all that. And we just love it that we get to be part of this family and this church. So congratulations, church. You're doing great. You have a great family. And the best is yet to come. So true. We love being with you. It, I just mentioned it feels like coming home. So it's a privilege. Thank you so much, Pastor Derek, for having us. And uh, we don't ever take this privilege lightly. It always feels weighty to get to come and stand on or sit on today on the platform of someone else who really stewards this platform with great care. And so it feels like an honor. We're doing great. Life has been big, hasn't it? Uh, but uh, we are flourishing and moving from strength to strength. As Pastor Derek mentioned, we transitioned the church in 2019 and then 2020, the world went crazy. And I think we're just kind of landing on our feet again. But through it all, we've discovered how amazing God is. And it's been fun to discover who we are in this place as well. And so the kids are flourishing. We had two grandchildren in the last... Um, uh, two months get married so that's a bit shocking so we're getting we're, ready for the next wave yeah the next wave great grandchildren yeah. i became a grandmother at 40 which was really young but i had angela my daughter who is now pastoring our church uh, at 19 i had her at 19 and then she had madison at 21 so you know when you're 40 I, i'm like i do they have to call me oma yet but as soon as that baby girl arrived yeah you call me oma so i am oma my mother is oma the great so i don't know what i'll be after this but life is rich and beautiful and when you see the generations flourishing i know that there's been a wedding also in the fry family again and it's fun to see what god is doing there so stay tuned there's lots of good things happening we want to share today um, a message that has, I think, been birthed in a very real way during this season that we've all been walking through. The world is in crisis. It's reeling in crisis. It's reeling in, in 
building relationships in a healthy, life-giving way. I think they've been tested. Our relationships have been tested in ways that we've never experienced before. I know that's very true for me personally. Um, with, with even, I don't know, just because there's a lot of opinions and just a lot of stuff that's been going on. And really, how we navigate relationships will really be out of the health of your own heart. And so today we want to talk about, as believers, right now, right here, for such a time as this, we should be known for our love. That's what Jesus taught us, to be known for love. So that is the what we're going to put over the title of this, this, what we're going to share today. And in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And we say this often, relationships that haven't been tested really can't be trusted. And I think we've walked through some tests some tests have proven that we can't walk forward into the future with some people. I mean, we're always open to that, but some are really not the healthiest of relationships. And others, we've just had to fight through and get stronger and fight for the relationship more than we're fighting for our rights or our opinions. And so today I want to share a very familiar portion of scripture. It was actually read on our wedding day. It was our wedding scripture, 48 years and a half years ago. We are so old now. I don't even, I can't believe it. But, uh, and we like each other way more now than we did. We are like still pretty crazy about each other. He was my high school sweetheart. I saw him and I'm like, boy, that Johnny Burns is really cute. So I made sure and tell my sister who told somebody who told John, and that was, that was it. And the rest of the story, here we are. It was, we, last, earlier this year, we celebrated our 50th anniversary it's of our first Of our date. first date. So next Which in, is, I found her that, yes. when this guy told me, there's this girl that likes you, but if you do go out with her, don't mention God. She'll talk your ear off. Well, that's what got my attention. So I found her and convinced her to Wasn't skip out of... Wasn't because I was kind of cute? No. <laughs> no, Didn't you talked yeah. my ear off. <laughs> anyway, so I found her and convinced her to skip out of school with me for the afternoon. Her first time. My millionth time. I had never skipped class. Nice little Christian girl. But yeah, I followed him and I'm still following him. But here is the scripture that we shared. It was on our invitation to our wedding. And if I've sh we've shared our story. And the truth is that we started off strong. But four years later, we were in crisis in our marriage. And I didn't think our marriage could survive but God. So wherever you are today, always look at God. Don't look at your circumstances to determine where you're going to land. Look at God and look at his word and watch what he can do in any circumstance because he is greater. Um, and so I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's, it's beautiful. Verses 4 through 8, it um, says, love never gives up, right? It just doesn't give up. You can't do it in your own strength, but God's love, you can never give up. Love cares more for others than it does for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love, it isn't always me first. Love does not fly off the handle. Doesn't keep a score of the sins of others. Doesn't, ooh, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. Maybe not for you, but it is for me. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end because love 
never dies. That scripture changed my life many years ago, even as a young teenager, but it continues to challenge me. Sometimes when I have to look at my own heart, I'm going, but what does God ask me to do? Not what do I feel like doing, but what is God, what is his love asking me to do? And like I said, relationships are being tested and tried. And to quote my husband, he always says, love that doesn't cost you is just a feeling. It's just an emotion. It's just a good little goosebump. But love that costs, like the love that Jesus demonstrated, cost everything. That's what love looks like, because love has sacrifice attached to it. And marriages and, um, marriages and families have all been tested um, emotionally, politically, culturally. I mean, in church life and in our nation, we're from the nation of Canada, as you heard already, there has been a lot of racial division. As you would understand as well, there's been a um, generational crisis going on. You know, older people looking, those millennials, and those millennials like, those old people. You know what I mean? We're tested. And, and how do we get along with each other? We want to show what love, the love of God looks like. And so, yes, there's been a lot of loss and a lot of grief. We have personally gone through a lot of grief and a lot of suffering, uh, challenge, and loss in the last few years. Um, personally, um, relationally, there's just been a lot of loss. So what do you do in a hard place? And I have found out that the Word of God has the answer for everything. He wants us to do relationships well. He's the one, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And I love it in the message translation. It says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight because that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family and how the world needs to see us be those peacemakers. We're not called to be peace, um, peacekeepers. I think it is good to keep the peace, but I think we're called to be peacemakers. And to make peace means there's been a rift, a tear in the relationship somewhere. And so to make peace, it is an intentional act between two people who want to. You can't make peace with everyone. Not everyone wants it. But as far as it depends on you, it says in Romans chapter 12, you live at peace with everyone. And that we need to remember as the body of Christ, as his family, we are earthly representatives of a heavenly kingdom that it shows itself forth in the way that we love one another. And we want to make an impact in the world we live in. And many times we want to give an opinion about what we think about something, but we have to understand that our opinion is not nearly as important as what God is asking us to do, and that is to walk in love. Last scripture, and then we'll go from here, just kind of the crux of it here. Proverbs 3, I love this in the Passion Translation. It says, let your life... And this is let your life is you allow God to be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. That's how you will find favor with both God and man. And you will gain a reputation of living well. Is that your prayer? That's my prayer today. Wow. Be known by love. So what are you known for? If someone was just to hang around with you for a while. And then afterwards, somebody else asked them, so uh, tell me about that person. What would they have to say? That's a challenge to me. It really is. Um, but it's also interesting. 
that um, sometimes I've walked away from a situation and I'm just so thankful to God because I didn't do anything. I just, in this situation, I just, like for instance, I, last weekend I was in this young church, two years old, and I, I just loved being there because I could just pour out my heart, basically. I'm, I'm old enough that I'm not trying to be a great preacher anymore. Um, I don't think that's going to change the world. I think loving people is going to change the world. And this one girl comes up to me afterwards. I don't know why, but every time you come, all I can do is cry. Uh, my family, that I was raised Roman Catholic, and um, so they typically would not come to our church. But when they do come, they call it the crying church. And it's, I, I don't know why, but God's love has an effect on people. And that's what I desire to be and do. Um, so even us here, being here, you know, this morning, can we just say that we love you? And uh, we want you to uh, really know that love and, and, and take it and give it to a world around you. So the things that we share, that's where we're coming from. But we're going to go to, I think, a really pivotal, I don't like that word anymore. Um, yeah, we've kind of pivoted enough in the last couple of years. Um, but James chapter 1, verse 19, you've probably read it before, a uh, powerful verse. James says, take this to heart, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So let's take those three things. And I want to start with be quick to listen. Okay, it's actually, he's not really talking about listening as much as he's talking about hearing. But listening should actually um, develop into hearing. But hearing is not a function of your ears. It's a function of your heart. And be quick, I think it means to, um, before you get there, make a choice that you're there to hear or to understand or to receive. It's interesting how our brains work. Do you know that, that all learning starts with a question mark? You don't learn until you want to. And, uh, you know, as parents, what we, what we should be doing is promoting questions so that we can then answer the question. Some parents, all we want to do is tell them, but they don't want to hear. Until they know what they don't know, <laughs> until they want to know what they don't know, we don't learn. Right. Um, and when it comes to relationships, be quick to hear means I want to know. I want to know you. I want to understand you. And it, it's been so crazy this last season because, you know, the devil's always had one tactic. He's still doing it. It's called divide and conquer. And he has been dividing like I've never seen before. I have never, I don't know about you, but I've never seen division like it's been in the last few years. Families divide it. Uh, we couldn't have Christmas dinner with her siblings, which we're so close to. Why? Because of issues. 
And just let me say this. We should always learn to value the relationship above the issue. Okay? The relationship is more valuable than any issue that you bring up. But um, what's happened is we've had divide, and the devil, when, you, when he's successful at dividing, he conquers. So if there's a division and you're on one side, he wins. I refuse to be on one side. I refuse to take sides. I will be on both sides. How do you be on both sides? You have an open heart to understand and to learn. Do you know that the most important people around you for you to learn from are not the ones that are like you? In our world today, I feel sorry for, for not just the young people, but everybody. Because we've got these, these things in our hand that put us in silos. Do you know the algorithms that uh, uh, all the social media uses? What does it do? It takes what you like and brings you together with people that like what you like and keeps you so protected from people that don't like what you like. But we never learn from just hanging around with the same people all the time. If you hang around with people that are just like you, nothing changes. I love Matthew chapter 5, um, the message translation. I think it's verse 43. Um, Eugene Peterson says it like this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, um, remember the, the, um, the written law, love your friends, and it's unwritten companion, hate your enemies? He says, I'm challenging that. I say, love your enemies, and let them instruct you. Love your enemies, for they're the ones that you're going to learn the most from. Not the people that you're uh, uh, like all the time, but the people that you're not like all the time. And then I love the next thing he says, in a word, grow up. <laughs> Why do we hang out with people that think like us and look like us and act like us? Because it's easy. God did not create you for easy. We don't need you if it's easy. We've got lots of other people that can do easy. But you got the strength and the power and the love of God in you to do what's needed to be done. And I think life, we're, all of us are on a journey. Life's a journey from who you are to who you're becoming. And you know the speed of that journey? It's called the speed of relationships. And if we are going to be quick to hear, we've got to start with a heart to understand. One thing I've learned over the years is it doesn't matter who it is. All of you, every single one of you, when it comes to your life, I know I'm ignorant. I know I'm ignorant. doesn't matter what color skin you have. I know I'm ignorant. doesn't matter what, what language you speak, what, what, what your background is, but I don't want to be stupid. Because stupid is I don't need to know or I don't want to know. That is stupid. Stupid stays the same. Stupid doesn't grow. If we're all going to grow, we've got to start with quick, prepared, want to hear. Let me give you a little story which is revealing of me. A little while ago, I went to a pastor's retreat in Charleston, all the way over here. And... Um, I got there a little early, so I stayed at the, one of the leaders' homes, and another pastor got there early and stayed in the same home. 
Now, this guy, he, he, he called himself a pastor. He, he was not yet pastoring. He had a plan to plant a church one day. And he knew everything. I mean, this guy was, was just a walking encyclopedia of what's wrong with all the churches in the world and how he was going to fix it. I had a problem. Um, I, I had to admit, I had a problem. Every time this guy opened his mouth, my inside voice was, shut up. <laughs> we get to this retreat, and uh, oh, it, it just got worse. And then I was talking to the leader, and, I, and, and he recognized I was having a problem. <laughs> so hard to tell when he's suffering like this. It's very obvious. <laughs> I know none of you can relate with me at all. But, but so, so, so I finally got to ask, you know, ask this leader, how do you do this? Because he was so gracious. I mean, this guy, we, we're, we're, we're around a table and every pastor is supposed to take a few minutes and talk about what's going on. Well, not a few minutes for him. It's like 30 minutes later. You know, I've heard the voice inside say, shut up a million times. Um, and, and this, the one that was a leader was just so gracious. I, 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 how do you do that? And he said to me, I don't worry. By the end of our time together, this guy, he will have changed so much. And you know what? He did. But after the conference was over, I think I changed more. Because I had to deal with something that wasn't easy. Okay, if you're going to grow, it's not going to be easy. You weren't created for easy. And I walked away with three things that I think, you know, let me just give you what this is for me. Three things I'm tempted to do, but I just try not to do. Number one is judge. Do you know it's impossible to judge someone else if you don't think you're better? It always starts with this, you think you're better, and you're not. None of us are better. Secondly, is avoid. <laughs> Have you ever, you know, not liked somebody or disliked somebody or got hurt by somebody and you avoided them? It's like you see them walking down the mall and you duck into the store. <laughs> Don't do that. My wife really has taught me the best at that. She will not do that. She'll go straight for the person. Hi, how are you? And I'm in the store. You know, that's what creates silos. We avoid people that are difficult. Don't avoid them. And number three, don't try to correct them. They don't want to hear. They're not listening. And this, I'll tell my wife on this one too. We've got people in our world that, that, that just go on and on and on about what they think and all the rest of it. And, and she's trying to correct them. Well, it is my baby brother that... Who's my favorite person in the world? And I, I keep saying, honey, they're not listening. You're not that nice when you say that to me. No, I'm not that nice. <laughs> but actually, some people think, I need to correct them. And so if, you know, even if you get on social media and try to correct them, you just fed the problem. You didn't make it better. So, so don't try to correct. Great information. I think that I want to just clarify one thing as you were talking about you don't choose sides. 
you listen to both sides, but it doesn't mean we agree with both right. sides. Right. And this is where we value the relationship above, uh, and, uh, above you know, all of the disagreement. You can disagree with somebody and still hold hands. You know what I'm saying is you don't have to agree with them. And I think you need to stick to your value system. You need to stick to what you believe that truth is. And you hold fast to that. But you don't disrespect people. You, disagreement is normal. But disrespect is not okay. And that's where the difference lies. And we're not going to win people by disagreeing and being disrespectful. So, you know, that's what you had to learn as you saw this other pastor being so respectful in a very disagreeable situation. And I think we've all faced that. But how do you win someone? It's not by just pointing out everything you don't like about them, as if that's going to make them want to spend time with you. As Christians, we're called to be salt and light in the most chaotic situation. How do we do that well? It's not by compromising our values and our belief system, but it is by having a heart to listen. And I think so often we've already made up our mind about something. And when we come across as I'm right, and this is what I did, I'm, I'm admitting it. I wouldn't say this in my church at home because I adore, honestly adore my brother. But during this last season, we have very different views on government, on vaccines, on, you know, all the things that everyone's had to fight with. And it's, it's like... I'm not, I thought I could convince him. I'm his big sister. I, he, you know, I've been his pastor for so long, and it's like it wasn't working. So what am I going to do? I love him with my life, and I'm going to continue to walk in, even if I completely disagree with him, but I can love him in spite of it. And so I think we've had to learn what love really looks like, and when we let love speak, that's when you're still holding hands as you move forward, then there's hope for the future. We come together. Jesus didn't just walk with everybody who really agreed with what he said. And he knew a lot of people were way off track, but he hung out with them. Why? To show his love. And that's what wins in the end. But my question before we go to the next point is, how easy are you to talk to? You know why I wrote that down. Because it's a very personal reflection for me. Am I easy to come to? Is it easy to talk to me about hard things? If I already give the impression that don't talk to her about that, well, then I'm not representing Christ as well as I could. I want to be that way in my marriage. I want to be someone that my husband can easily come to me to talk about difficult things. But if my walls are up or I'm, I'm right, I know what you need to fix about you, then he's not going to come to me. And I've been that way over the years. We have to work with that in our marriage. I want to be someone that when hearts are breaking and you're going through your hardest season, he doesn't avoid me, that he easily comes to me. So I think that is how we have to position ourselves, by being quick to hear. Amen. And secondly is slow to speak. It doesn't say don't speak. If we go back to our early days of crisis in marriage, I was a blabbermouth. This is what you need to do. And he was a don't speak person. Well, that doesn't work. And he could have thought, he just took the scripture. If a man stays silent, he seems wise. Um, you know, and just kind of like, here's my flashcard for you, sweetheart. I'm not talking, so I'm the smart one here. I'm like, yeah, you're not getting away with pulling that one over. But there has to be a conversation, but it has to be done when there is a right relationship. And let me just say where that has to start, I believe. This is such a personal um, lesson for me. So I'm not teaching you something that, oh, this is good in theory. Oh, no, we have walked this, continue to walk it. It's real, and it feels like it's more real than ever. Psalm 19, verses 12, and then also verse 14 says, cleanse me. Not cleanse John. I used to pray that. Fix him. 
And God's like, yeah, let me work with you. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm perfect. He needs help. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're not perfect, sweetheart. Let's go to work. But I thought I was doing so well compared to him. And it's like God showed me, oh, we got work to do, sweetheart. So here it says, cleanse me from hidden. I saw that nod, John. <laughs> cleanse me from hidden and unconscious faults. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. So this is teaching us, um, speak, but before you do, have a really good checkup on your own heart. Make sure you've taken the log out of your eye before you want to take the speck out of your, your friend's eyes, your spouse's eyes, your children's eyes, because we all have blind spots. And again, I think the, the fastest way to become aware of how blind we are in some areas is to hang around somebody who sees something differently than you. It's challenging, it's confrontational, but it's oh so healthy because it helps you see. Sometimes we don't know someone's story. We don't know their background. We don't know the trauma of their past or what's going on in their life right now. And we assume to know. Before we do any of that, make sure your heart is open and wide and ready to, to hear what they have to say and then ponder their words and respond, but with an attitude of kindness because kindness opens hearts, not judgment, kindness. And kindness shows up. And when kindness shows up, it it. it prompts doors and hearts to open. And when that happens, now miracles can happen. But until there's kindness and just a generosity of love, I don't think we're going to get very far. Amen. So. And the third one is becomes slow to become angry. And a lot of people, you know, are afraid of emotions. Actually, you, I think we need to recognize our emotions because they are road signs. They're indicators not dictators. Emotions tell you something. You know, if you're angry, it's because something is wrong and there's a feeling of losing control of what should be. And uh, it's important to, that we understand that. You know, we talk about the last few years and how crazy things have been. And we need to understand that um, it's been painful in so many ways. Do you know the way your brain works? Okay, take a, take a, a, you know, a child. I love watching children. They love learning. Boy, they just, you can see the firecrackers going off as they're learning. And they, it's, what's happening is their brain is developing ways of thinking. Okay, there's synapses that are, that are you know, created. And what happens over an amount of time is you develop ways of thinking. It becomes your subconscious mind. And for instance, most of us, we don't think, for instance, how are we going to sleep at night? We just do what we do. And there's so much, uh, almost 100% of our things we do, we don't choose. With a conscious mind, it's already been programmed in our subconscious mind. Now, if you were to figure out what that is, um, it's like a map, kind of. Because okay? your mind is full of cells called neurons. Neurons are, they, they could be like a road. They're long cells that have a beginning and an end. And when this thought goes from one side to the other, it gets to the end and, and, and there's, there's like a road where you get to an intersection. Now, which way do I go? And the way that your thought goes is the way it's always gone. And the more times you think that way, the more 
That's the way it is. And when we're in comfortable zone, everything is the way it's always been. And we don't have to work to think our way through it. It's just normal. It's comfortable. But now someone drops a bomb on your map. And nothing is the way it was. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The last couple of years, we've had some bombs. Well, now you have to go back to work again and create new ways of thinking, and that's not easy. Do you, do you know how much energy it takes for your brain to consciously think new ways of thinking? It's not like you're, you, you know, your brain just works on automatic pilot. No, you purpose it to, and it actually is a lot of work, and it's painful, literally painful, to, to, to try to build new ways. That's why when someone has had a crisis in their life, you know, say, say someone really close to you dies, you have a grief that you can't explain. It's actually painful. And it takes time for you to rebuild how are you going to do life without this person. If you've ever been there, it's kind of like you just don't know how to take the next breath. Like, how am I going to breathe? Why? Because your whole life has been, been disrupted. And I think in the last couple of years, we've had almost a cultural crisis. It's a cultural trauma. And, and it's really caused a lot of people a lot of pain. And if you were to ask me, so what do you think, Pastor John, um, Grandfather John, Abuelo, what do you think? I think grace. Add a lot of grace. And when people are reacting and, and are emotionally dealing with stuff, don't, don't judge them where they're at. Step back, step back, go back to the beginning, quick to hear, and add a lot of grace to it. That was really good. It's good. It has been. In life, crisis happens. We're all going to face it at some point, whether it's the death of a loved one. For some of us, it's somebody's telling you, I'm, I'm having an affair. I don't know what it is, or it may be somebody telling you, um, you know, you're fired from your job. Crisis happens. Um, relationships are challenging. Somebody that you thought would be with you forever suddenly has gone a different direction. And it's how do we deal with this? And it does say slow to become angry. It doesn't say don't be angry. Anger is a very natural emotion. But like John said, don't let it have the driver's seat and drive your life because we make really poor decisions when anger is doing the talking. And the truth is you are in control of your emotions. They might blindside you at first, but push comes to shove. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. He's your comforter. He's your standby. He's an ally with you in the hardest of places. And so how can I respond? Not back with, with, with an angry response. And that's, again, take a checkup on your own heart and make sure it's okay because in Proverbs chapter 15, 1, it says a gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause more anger. We know that. This is just, we've, we've experienced it. But I think in relationships that when, when I've experienced grace, given myself grace, first of all, then you will extend grace to others. I think 
like I think of some, I can remember a while back, there was something I was so angry with John about. He, there was just something that had happened. I was incredibly disappointed. And I thought, I don't even know how to respond right now. Who I thought you were and how you're acting right now, it felt really challenging. Just in case you think pastors are perfect, they're not. And I'm not perfect either. My first response was, I just wanted to, you know, not leave the marriage, but I, like, deal with it. It's your problem. And I realized, no, we're married. We're in relationship. This is our problem. And we're going to walk through it together. And I think I had to reconcile that first with my own heart and then respond in a way that opened up the door for us. How are we going to walk forward in this? What are we going to do that will bring us stronger? And when you work through it, you're 10 times stronger than you were. And so often what we've done, and this isn't in our notes, but, and I'll finish up here, but often what we've done is when there's been disappointments, we don't deal with them. We just leave them there. And they're like cinders in our life. Um, you know, if there's been a fire, it means something's been burnt. And God says he'll bring beauty from ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But what we do so often, we leave them like cinders lying there. And another time it'll flare up again and it'll flare up. And we have all these flare-ups in our life. Why? Because we haven't healed the hurt. And that's where we have to invite the Holy Spirit to come into those places of our life. And so your, re your emotional response will be anger, will be disappointment, but you don't stay there. You heal that as much as it, you can. And, and obviously in our marriage, we're going to keep working through things that are going to come up in the future as well. We deal with them. We don't leave it there to keep burning and flaring up at an inopportune time. We heal that. We let it go to ashes, let God redeem it and restore it. And on the other side of it, you're going to find your you're so much stronger, and it's going to surprise you. So can I pray for you? Uh, and then I'm going to let our uh, pastors at the campuses close in prayer. But um, where are you at? How are you doing? If you were to hang out with somebody, like I said, and afterwards they asked, tell me about that person. What would be their takeaway? Are you going to be known for your love? How about the difficult, challenging people in your world? Have you heard that inside voice like I have? Just things that the Bible teaches us, but we need to take away and let it actually instruct us. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life to us. It's our food. It's our sustenance. It challenges us and it puts your arm around us and loves us. Thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone here this morning. Thank you that you've created us in your image according to your likeness in relationship. We were created in, for, and through relationship. And we ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, help us to build those relationships. Help us to, to be that person that wants to know. Every, every person wants to understand. Help us to use our words. Lord, thank you that we do have emotions and that we can understand them and, and you, you'll help us as a result of them. 
Father, I thank you for every family, every relationship. I thank you for friendships. I thank you for new friendships. I thank you for people that are in our life right now and people that need to be in our life right now. I thank you for the ones that are around us that maybe are challenging. Thank you for them, Father. And I pray your strength right now by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to pray one more prayer for everyone in the room. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes. You can stand to your feet for just a moment. The most important decision we can ever make if we come to a place where we recognize the Holy Spirit is tapping on our shoulder. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We can recognize His presence like we've done here this morning. We don't want to leave this place alone. We want to leave with Him, Jesus, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, sitting on the throne in our heart. If He's not on the throne in your heart right now I'm going to ask you it just takes a choice to make the right choice say yes to him if you're here today and you've never opened your heart you've never invited Jesus come take your rightful place in my heart I want to know you I want to be your child sit on the throne in my heart if you've never done that today's your day or maybe you're here and you just recognize that that you've been doing it on your own for just a while or too long and it, I don't want to leave that way if you need to get right with God right now is the time I want to pray a simple prayer for you I won't embarrass you I won't make you come to the front or anything but could I know who I'm praying for so all over the room with your heads bowed if that's you say include me in that prayer I don't want to leave the way I came I need he sitting on the throne in my heart Lord of my life pray for me if that's you, wherever you are, slip your hand up. Could I pray for you? Thank you. 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 Best decision ever. I think, thank you. It's one of the reasons we come to church. It's just to, to get right and to leave right. Is there anyone else? Can I include you in this prayer? Thank you. Yes. I see your hand. All right. I'm going to invite everyone in the room to pray this simple prayer. I'll give you the words. Prayer is just talking to God. Let's all say the same thing. Let's talk to Him. And if you raised your hand, just pray this and mean this with all your heart. Everyone say this. Lord Jesus, I believe in You. You're the Son of God. Thank You for dying on the cross and paying for my sins. I believe You rose from the dead. And you're alive right now. So come into my heart. Take your rightful place. Be the Lord of my life. From this moment on, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap, church. God bless you.